Sask Ag Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Ag Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Ag Today. Coming up on today's program, it has become increasingly attractive for farmers to own a semi to haul their own grain to market rather than relying on custom truckers. Kevin Hirsch, saskagtoday.com's chief agricultural editor, will have a story on that for us. Fall is a good time for livestock producers to test the quality of their winter feed. We'll have the latest with Jennifer Hayden, the Livestock and Feed Extension Specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. For years, scientists have been attempting to keep pace with new virulent pathotypes of clubroot in canola. We will have Tom Ernst from Corteva AgriScience in Edmonton tell us about his research in trying to prevent it from occurring. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of Saskag Today. Welcome back to Saskag Today. It has become increasingly attractive for farmers to own a semi to haul their own grain to market rather than relying on custom truckers. Kevin Hirsch, chief agricultural editor for saskagtoday.com, has more on this story. Everyone, including farmers seeking to get a Class 1A driver's license to drive big trucks, needs melt mandatory entry-level training. As Susan Ewart, Executive Director of the Saskatchewan Trucking Association, explains, MELT has resulted in fewer people obtaining their Class 1A. Prior to March of 2019, SGI had been working on a standardized curriculum for uh, the driver training schools to teach to Class 1A drivers. And then, obviously, we had the tragedy that happened in Humboldt, and it got made to be mandatory at that time. So that was sort of late 2018, and then between March of 2019, there was a real like upsurge in people wanting to get it done before MELT came in. So we had a lot of people get their license in that short time period, and then it dropped off after March. March of 2019 because of course the cost then um, was set by the driver trading schools it is there isn't a, um, a maximum price that can be charged SGI didn't mandate that so that's sort of what happened with the uptick in the drivers prior to melt happening so we've got fewer people getting class one licenses now than we used to yes because it's really expensive and there's not a lot of new people coming to the industry um, we've got a aging driver population who are retiring I mean COVID really did push a lot of retirements for drivers because I mean the average age of a driver today working in Saskatchewan is about 55 but that's actually trending upwards so there are more people working in trucking today that are 65 plus still driving a truck the Saskatchewan Trucking Association promotes careers in trucking and they've had some success attracting female drivers however a large number of job vacancies remain the median wage is just $25 an hour. Susan Ewart notes that farmers doing their own trucking have a number of competitive advantages over the commercial trucking industry. 
They do, especially if they are registered as an F-plated power unit. The cost of insurance is less. They're not subject to the periodic motor vehicle inspections twice a year. Um, they can obtain a permit, actually, for a very cost-effective. At one point, it was $11 from SGI to actually turn that truck into a four-hire, like their competitor might. So now they can go and haul their neighbor's goods. So the cost definitely is different, uh, different there. Plates are reduced, no cargo insurance requirements, just a lot of different things can happen there. Farmers are also exempt from carbon tax and excise tax on diesel fuel. Semis are becoming standard equipment on many farms and some farmers are retaining a full-time employee by having that employee deliver grain through the winter months. For SaskAg Today, I'm Kevin Hirsch. And it's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. Early gains were followed by late losses on Ice Futures canola market during the week ended yesterday. Ken Ball, a trader at PI Financial in Winnipeg, blames aggressive manipulation by traders in canola for the oilseed's recent price movement. He says there was really nothing fundamental about canola. Crush margins came down very hard for a few weeks, and canola was trading much stronger. Ball says while soy oil was going down, canola held firm. Soy oil is now starting to come up, and canola's trading is much weaker. He says it's been the pattern for canola all year long. Five Unifor locals representing 361 workers with the St. Lawrence Seaway Management Corporation have served their 72 hours notice of a strike that could shut down the waterway to grain and all other traffic just after midnight Sunday at the earliest. Unifor says such a strike would effectively shut down transit through the seaway. The seaway management agreed, saying that should the unionized workers proceed with strike action, the St. Lawrence Seaway will be closed to all traffic. The not-for-profit corporation, which handles movement of marine traffic through Canadian Seaway facilities, that is 13 of the waterway's 15 locks between Montreal and Lake Erie, said it has started to implement its plans for an orderly and safe shutdown of the system within the 72-hour notice period. Ocean freight rates have shown some strength over the past two months, with the Baltic Dry Index, or BDI, at its highest level of the past year. The BDI, a major indicator of bulk shipping rates, settled at 2,058 points on Tuesday, marking the first close above 2,000 points since July of 2022. The BDI is compiled by the London-based Baltic Exchange and provides an assessment of the price of moving major raw materials by sea. The overall BDI includes subsectors for the different classes of ocean vessels, including Cape Size, Panamax, and Supermax. It is often seen as a leading indicator of global economic activity. Canada is at a freight disadvantage compared to its competitors exporting grains and oilseeds into many markets, with lower freight rates helping counter that disadvantage. The chair of the House of Commons Agriculture Committee has introduced a private member's bill aimed at speeding up regulatory approvals of new seed genetics, feed products, and crop protection products for Canadian farmers. 
Cody Blois, Liberal MP from Nova Scotia, tabled Bill C-359 yesterday. The legislation proposes a 90-day provisional registration for new products, where the company introducing a product can show it's been approved by regulators in two or more other trusted countries or jurisdictions. The provincial registration would ensure farmers have access to these tools in a more timely manner without compromising public safety or the scientific process that we expect our Canadian regulators to undertake. The Canadian Federation of Agriculture, Grain Growers of Canada, Canadian Cattle Association and National Cattle Feeders Association have already voiced support for the bill. Canada's pot industry is hoping the government review of the Cannabis Act will lessen the turmoil the sector is facing. The president of the Cannabis Council of Canada says there's a significant sense of urgency throughout the sector because many pot businesses have faced layoffs, facility closures, bankruptcies and multi-million dollar write-downs. George Smitherman says about 80% of the members his council recently surveyed say they cannot get to cash flow positivity. If the government review doesn't result in change, he worries the struggle to reach profitability will only get harder. The government statutory Cannabis Act review got underway in September of 2022, a year later than was required. A panel conducting the review will eventually put forward a final report with recommendations that the Minister of Health must table by March. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny and 17 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Fall is a good time for livestock producers to test the quality of their winter feed. Jennifer Hayden, the Livestock and Feed Extension Specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture in North Battleford, has more. As hay and other forages make their way into your feed storage area this fall, you might want to consider forage testing. Forage testing has value for your operation. It can be a useful tool for maximizing livestock production and can minimize feed cost. Testing forages not only helps determine if livestock requirements are being met, it also determines whether you need to supplement or could mix off with lower quality forages to avoid overfeeding. Forage analysis is useful when looking at inventories and planning for winter feeding. If forage quality is high enough, there may be an opportunity to mix it with straw, thus stretching supplies and lowering overall feed costs. If forage quality is lacking in certain nutrients, it will be necessary to bring in some type of concentrate product such as a cereal grain, screenings, dried distillers grain, or canola meal, for example, in order to maintain body condition of livestock on feed. Generally, forage analysis should include the following parameters. Moisture, dry matter, crude protein, acid and neutral detergent fiber, calcium, phosphorus, magnesium, potassium, and sodium. In addition to these, the analysis will include a variety of energy estimates, which may be reported as total digestible nutrients, 
digestible energy, or net energy. Each of these nutrients play a role in the overall quality of the forage being tested. There are book values for many types of forages and other feeds. However, actual results can vary substantially, and the cost of that variability can be high. If we balance a ration on book values, and the energy value of your primary forage source was 5% lower than the book value, we could create a situation where pregnant females are losing body condition rather than maintaining or gaining the condition that we had prepared for. This is especially true as weather turns colder and females advance to the later stages of pregnancy. There are different testing methods available. Near-infrared reflectance spectroscopy, or NIR, uses different light wavelengths passing through a sample to interpret the kind and amount of nutrients present. Wet chemistry analysis, the gold standard for forage analysis, involves lab work and chemical testing. Wet chemistry analysis of large numbers of common feed samples is used to calibrate NIR lab equipment. NIR is often faster and cheaper, but has limitations, especially with uncommon feedstuffs where a reference library may be small or unavailable. A basic feed test covering the parameters noted earlier will cost between $30 and $65, depending on the type of analysis and the lab. Testing for anti-nutritional factors or additional minerals will add to that cost. However, the overall cost of a forage test is small compared to the insight and useful information it can provide. For more information about forage testing, borrowing a forage probe from your local regional office, or other livestock-related topics, contact your local Saskatchewan Agriculture Regional Office or call the Agriculture Knowledge Centre at 1-866-457-2377. That's Jennifer Hayden, the Livestock and Feed Extension Specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture in North Battleford. It's time now for the Livestock Market Conditions and their presentation of Heartland Livestock in Yorkton. Livestock Market Conditions. U.S. Live Cattle Futures for December closed at 185.30 today. That's down 190. February Live Cattle closed at 188.95, down 212. November feeder cattle closed at 244.50, down 522. January feeder cattle closed at 245.37, down 552. December lean hogs closed at 68 even, that's down 2. February lean hogs closed at 72.32, up 2. And that's the livestock market conditions. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down rather sharply right across the board today. November canola closed at 692.20, down $19.50. January canola closed at 705.20, down $13.50. December Minneapolis wheat closed at 739 per bushel that's up five and a half cents December Kansas City wheat closed at 676 and a quarter up five and three quarters of a cent December Chicago wheat closed at 594 per bushel that's up 13 and three quarters of a cent 
December corn closed at 5.05 per bushel, up 13 cents. November soybeans closed at 13.15 and a half, that's up four and a half cents. December oats closed at 3.74 and three quarters, up three and three quarters of a cent. And that's the commodities update. For years, scientists have been attempting to keep pace with new virulent pathotypes of clubroot in canola. The most serious virulent clubroot pathotypes continue to be found in Alberta, where the disease originated. There's been quite a bit of progress in the development of clubroot-resistant hybrids from scientists such as Tom Ernst with Corteva AgriScience in Edmonton. It's been a pretty typical year for clubroot. Uh, we're seeing some cases pop up still in the Edmonton area. We're still waiting for kind of official reports as, you know, surveys happen through the fall, kind of into the winter, we'll start hearing what the numbers out of 2023 were uh, into the new year of 2024. We'll, we'll get the results, but um, I think it should come as no surprise. Clover kind of continues to spread. It's spreading outwards from where it was first found in the Edmonton area, like I said, and then kind of into northwestern Saskatchewan, but as far as Manitoba, even at this point. He says farmers have been proactive in trying to prevent the spread of club root. I'm encouraged by the, uh, whenever I have conversations with growers, kind of on the edge of the expansion of the club root area, right? So when I'm talking with growers kind of in northwestern Saskatchewan and even some of our agronomists out, out east and east central about how proactive growers are being in terms of deploying club root resistance early, I think across Saskatchewan in 2022, uh, we were still at about 70% of canola acres were growing a club root resistant hop. I think as an industry, uh, it, it's really important that we all, that we move towards 100% uh, club root resistant hybrids being deployed. And the reason is that preemptive deployment before you have club root on your farm um, really helps kind of stem off any big outbreak of and, and release of inoculum or resting spores, right? So when you get that initial infection happening on a plant, single gall can produce billions of spores and it spreads fairly rapidly within a field if you're not growing a clubbert resistant hybrid. Whereas if, you know, it's introduced in a soil tag on some equipment or from some wind erosion or something like that, and it's confronted with a resistant hybrid to begin with, uh, you know, establishment is less likely and you're going to get a lot less inoculum production to begin with. Ernst says producers should always follow a crop rotation to keep their fields free of club root. It goes a long way where club root, for sure, where club root already is established. Um, what we've seen is when, from the initial levels of club root that you have in your field, if you can kind of refrain from growing a canola hybrid for, or any kind of canola crop for two years, you can get a 90% reduction in those resting spores, the inoculum that's in the field. And just kind of keeping the inoculum level low is really key to, you know, keeping resistance functioning on your farm. I realize, like, you know, economically speaking the, the, and being realistic, I try to recommend to growers that if you have had problems on your farm, maybe target those acres, especially with an extended rotation and, and try to manage them a little bit more intensely. He says increasingly erratic weather patterns can impact the spread of club root. Weather that... Um, impacts the, the spread and, and establishment of the disease would include things like if it's, uh, you know, higher rainfalls because the pathogen requires, you know, moisture in the soil to move towards the plant. And so higher moisture in the soil kind of in the spring allows more disease establishment. 
Um, but also in wetter conditions, you'd expect more soil movement between fields. We've had some pretty dry years lately, so maybe that's not the case, but also warmer, warmer springs, uh, as the soil warms up, clover becomes more active and, and can uh, more readily infect plants. So um, those kind of conditions lend to it. But the thing is, is, is regardless of what the weather conditions are, when the rains come or when the environment becomes conducive to the pathogen, it can establish effect, um, infection even on older plants. Even if it's a little bit muted, I guess, in older plants, you get easier infection on younger plants. It can still happen on older plants. Clubroot will do its thing when the weather is right. Ernst notes that clubroot has evolved across the prairies since it was first discovered 20 years ago. Initially, the predominant pathotype, there was a single pathotype or race or, or, um, uh, of the pathogen that we were finding. And I think what's really evolved or, or changed the clubroot landscape or really showed the diversity of clubroot out there has been the deployment of resistance. So when you grow a resistant hybrid, if it's the same resistance has grown a number of times in a row, um, what can happen is you select for, you know, virulent types of the pathogens. You select for virulent clubroot. And so, like you said, what we're seeing is the the landscape of clubroot is changing. We're finding many different variants or or pathotypes, as we like to term them in the industry, of clubroot. And some management techniques to kind of avoid that is rotating resistance. And something that we've been kind of getting them trying to get the message out of, there's multiple different clubroot resistant hybrid packages available on the market. And I've met growers who, you know, grew clubroot resistance early, managed to keep clubroot off their farm for the most part, even in some areas fairly close to Edmonton area, and then switched up resistance as they started hearing of these, you know, new variants popping up in their region and have been managing clubroot quite effectively through, you know, combination of rotation and then also clubroot resistance gene rotation. And I encourage people to just ask their agronomists about that kind of thing if they're interested. And he says Corteva's latest clubroot research has been quite successful. I'm pretty excited about our clubroot hybrid lineup. So we have a, it's not as simple as, you know, the first resistance that was deployed on the market and then second gen resistance. Within that second generation resistance kind of umbrella, we're up to, you know, we have eight different unique clubroot resistance packages in commercial hybrids right now and, and uh, more coming. And what I would say is what those clubroot resistance packages represent are kind of, you know, unique combinations of um, clubroot resistance genes that are unique from each other. So it kind of gives a little indication of if you grew one resistance package one year, and the next time you grow canola, uh, it's not a bad bet to, you know, switch it up and keep the pathogen guessing, you know, keep it from building up any of those, you know, virulent variants for pathotypes in the field. Tom Ernst is a clubroot research scientist with Corteva AgriScience in Edmonton. Please stay tuned. SaskAg today will continue right after these messages. Farm Bulletin Board. The 34th annual Grain Millers Harvest Showdown is coming up here in Yorkton, November 1st to the 4th. There will be a trade show, a grain show, a forage show, a pedigreed seed show, breeder's alley, cattle show and sale, a chore team competition, horse pulls, ranch rodeo, stock dog competition, school tours, 4-H clinics, a senior supper and dance, 
mutton busting, professional bull riding, as well as two cabarets. So that's all coming up. It's not too far off. That's the 34th annual Green Miller's Harvest Showdown, November 1st to the 4th, here in Yorkton. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Sunny skies, winds west-northwest at 10 to 20, and a high of 17. For tonight, partly cloudy, winds south-southwest at 10 to 20, a low of 7. For tomorrow, early cloud, then mainly sunny, winds northwest at 25 to 45, a high of 15, an overnight low of 4. For Saturday, partly sunny, winds northwest at 15 to 25, and a high of 11. For Sunday, mainly cloudy, with a 40% chance of spotty showers late, a high of 12. And for Monday, mainly cloudy, with a 40% chance of spotty showers or flurries, then clearing, a high of just plus 2. In the Paw and Swan River, it's 10 degrees. Dauphin is at 15. Brandon, Show Lake Russell, 11. Roblin, 7. Regina and Broadview Mooseman reporting in at 16 degrees. Saskatoon, 12. Hudson Bay, 11. Indian Head, 19. Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 13. The Yorkton, Melville region has a sunny sky, a west wind at 11 kilometers an hour. 54% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 17 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskag today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. Saskag Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.